Discover FX's Shogun, the official podcast available now. Every legend begins with a story. Listen and explore episode by episode the story of war, passion, and power set in feudal Japan. Join host Emily Yoshida each week with the creators, cast, and crew in this exclusive companion podcast. They dive deep into the twists and turns of the plot, go behind the scenes, and explore the real-life history that informed the limited series based on James Clavell's best-selling novel. Search FX's Shogun wherever you listen to podcasts. Tax season is approaching, bringing potential extra cash your way. Rather than spending it all on an expensive deal filled with yada yada from your current wireless plan, consider switching to Metro by T-Mobile for no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada you don't take yada yada in life don't take yada yada from your wireless provider metro by t-mobile has no contracts no credit checks no surprises and nada yada yada stop by one of over six thousand metro stores nationwide this episode of Stuff They Don't Want You To Know is brought to you by Alienware. During Dell Tech Fest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech. New dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop powered by an Intel Core i9 processor. Featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential. Plus, build your dream setup with great deals on select game Gaming monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at Alienware.com deals, you'll have access to leading-edge gaming technology to conquer the competition and free shipping on everything. Amazing prices await you for a limited time only at Alienware.com deals. That's Alienware.com deals. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccant. Most importantly, you are you. You are here. And that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. This evening, we're asking a big, big question. One that we have surprisingly not tackled before. Guys, what exactly is this thing that we're all in? What is life? Skin what is suits, you mean? Well, <laughs> meat I bags? Mean, I'm a normal guy. Yeah, I wake up every sunset at the at the crack of evening and put on my skin one leg at a time like anyone else. But like what is reality? Bro, I think we're just spiritual beings having a physical experience. <laughs> right. So I think and I made that up. <laughs> yeah, we're just animated carbon shambling through the filth, bro. <laughs> Yeah, we're just, if you think about it, you know, the the closest analog to the consciousness uh, is kind of a song, right? It's a pattern. So we're sort of the stories and the songs we sing to ourselves. If you think about it, your brain is kind of like a, a, a little figure in a big meat mech, uh, and it's controlling all <laughs> sorts mech. of weird stuff. Yeah, meat mech. <laughs> and uh I, you know, it's it's weird because people have been arguing about the nature of reality or phenomenology for since time immemorial. Uh, and 
there's this question, is reality a set of hardwired, constant, unchanging physical laws? Is it more subjective? Is it just this sort of narrative that thinking minds agree upon? Is is it all just a bunch of, you know, kind of sh- shadows on a cave wall, like Plato said? Or is it some sort of computer program? And if so, can this program be hacked? We promise you, we are not high. Here are the facts. You said that a lot in the last episode, too. I feel like when we talk about these things, we have to establish that baseline. Hey, to each their own. I am a little <laughs> high. I'm not going to um, no. go into Perfect. the facts here. Uh, we have explored the nature of reality. Because you know what, guys? It's fun. It's like one of the things, like metacognition is one of the things that makes us human. So thinking about thinking, thinking about what this all of this is what we're being presented with. If it, if it has meaning, if not like all of the things that you said. Um, so this is something that's definitely come up in a lot of strange news and listener mail episodes in the past. Um, this idea of some sort of simulation here, but like consciousness uh, until relatively recently, reality has always kind of been presented as some sort of dilemma. That, that needs to be reckoned with, right? Like the nature of reality. Like what is this? Is this a shared experience? Is there a God? Whatever. <laughs> well, it's, it's because all of us can do, take certain actions to affirm for ourselves that this is in fact reality and the things that we are experiencing are very similar, if not the same, to things that some other seemingly conscious being is experiencing, right? And and as humans, as we've continued to evolve, we've gotten better at, you know, measuring things and uh, writing down the, the things that we find as we get deeper and deeper into, you know, the subatomic and go bigger and bigger out into the cosmos. But there's a problem, right? Oh, Yes, there are quite a few problems. Uh, Humans experience reality all the time. There's not really a pause from it. But despite thousands and thousands and thousands of years of contemplating this, humans still struggle to define reality, uh, let alone understand it. And there was this this great article for New Scientist. I think it came out in 2021 or so with these three authors, Jason Arun Murugesu, uh, Joshua Hauguego, and Gilead Amit. And they put it this way. They said, reality seems so solid. And yet when we examine it closely, it melts away like a mirage. We don't know when it began, how big it is, where it came from and where it is going. And we certainly have no clue why it exists. For another perspective, you could check out the uh, seminal 1994 grunge film Reality Bites, directed by Ben Stiller. That's another way of looking at reality. But Man, I mean, 98% uh, of Ben's are just so dope, dude. Ben, ben Stiller's a good, he's one of the good Ben's. I like where his career has taken him. I mm-hmm, think he's mm-hmm. uh, a talent both in front of and behind the camera. That, uh, what was that one he did? He directed, I think, every episode, uh, Severance, also about the nature of reality. Very mind-bendy kind of show if you're into that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, to, to your point, it... it <laughs> It is an interesting thing because what is reality if not like some sort of shared understanding of the truth, you know, but then it can also 
become more of a question about presentational qualities of what we are seeing and experiencing. So reality, it's got a lot of layers to it just as a concept, right? Sure. Yeah. The uh, new scientist uh, quotation continues here. They say, nonetheless, the desire to understand reality seems part of our nature and we have come a long way. They're talking uh, as humans about humans. They say what was once explained in terms of divine creation is now in the purview of science. Over the past 200 years or so, we have peeled back the layers of reality, even if we are still not entirely sure what we have revealed. I mean, okay, look, obviously this be, can run the risk of becoming a somewhat sophomoric conversation where people just sort of bandy platitudes about. But that's not what we're doing this evening, fellow conspiracy realists. People have made progress on navigating the Gordian knot of existence. Uh, even now, you can find no shortage of people claiming to have, capital F, figured it all out. Some of the answers, spirituality, philosophy. You can't argue with spirituality. That is every person's individual choice. Um, I love when Descartes said, you know, man, I'm thinking about it. So I guess I, I'm real because something is thinking. I'm that was it. tight. Yeah. yeah. No, that was good. But I mean, I also think it's interesting to think about the idea of like eyewitness accounts and the way people perceive things and this idea of what is the truth. You know, like that to me is, is one of the layers I think those researchers were referring to. You know, there there are many layers to the idea of reality, not just about what we see, but about how people um, interpret things. Mm hmm. And there are a lot of gatekeepers for That's that right. idea because we're coming now we're talking about consensual narrative, right? The idea that uh, like a lot of spiritual belief systems will argue that you, if you are human, you exist on the precipice of some greater profound understanding, you know, some, some samsara, right? Peace beyond words. And you can find this if you follow the right spiritual leaders, the right regimens, if you meditate or in some cases, cough, cough, Scientology, if you donate money. Uh, other attempts at answering the challenge of reality, they rely on the bleeding edge of modern science. And that's kind of what we're looking at this evening. I, I think we'll get into this in a second, but we've got to do a tease for our main guy, our protagonist of the show. We're going to go into this dude's reality pretty deep tonight. What's his name? Who is he? He's, he's somebody you should know by this point. Uh, 20 years ago, he put out something that has really been foundational for a lot of the discussions that have been going on on YouTube and TikTok and all these other things, right? Mr. Nick Bostrom, a philosopher mm -hmm. from I, I'm Oxford. just amazed. I'm just amazed because I didn't think about it, Matt, until you pointed it out. 2003 was 20 years ago. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. Um, this this is what you will hear known as simulation theory or holographic universe theory. There's all kinds of names for it, uh, most often simulation theory. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe Bostrom comes up or maybe is even interviewed a little bit in Josh Clark's uh, The End of the World series, which is about existential threats. 
Correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yes. Yeah. And and uh, Josh's show uh, holds up. Do check it out. Uh, he is he is a dear old friend of ours. He also does a little show uh, with his pal Chuck that you might know. Uh, it's called Stuff You Should Know. <laughs> so uh, check it out. Support. That uh, show's support. going places now that we've given it the plug. Yeah, I think I think this is going to be a big year for them. Oh, hey, so, uh, their kids' so, their kids' yeah. book just came out. Uh, I got a message yes. from uh, writer and his mom. They were in the bookstore there in Decatur, where I guess they had the a signing shop of stories. There were a, a really bunch of signed little, copies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Former uh, that is a former bank too. That is the coolest children's bookstore in the Atlanta metro area. Also, uh, shout out to our pals Annie and Sam. Annie Reese and Samantha McVeigh over at Stuff Mom Never Told You. They have a book on the way. Do check that out. We also have a book. (laughs) (laughs) Still buy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're on the book talk. Um, But yeah, Bostrom, what's this this punchy character up to? Uh, So his idea, and we're going to dig into this. Uh, His idea uh, argues one basic groundbreaking premise. Um, and it's it's really interesting. It, it calls a lot back to earlier arguments of spirituality and philosophy. It may remind some of us of the premises of Gnosticism. He's saying this whole thing, this whole reality could be made up if reality really is Somehow, a cartoonishly complex computer program, how would you know, folks? Well, starting basis, if it's a computer in any way remotely like the computers Earth's favorite primates have been making for a while, then it relies on programming. It relies on code. And if reality has a source code, can you find it? Perhaps more importantly, can you hack the simulation? This would usually be the moment where we pause for a word from our sponsors. However, we've got a lot to get to tonight, folks. We're not going to stand on ceremony. Here's where it gets crazy. Could we hack the simulation? Is the universe, as you know it, a simulation? (laughs) Maybe. Actually, yes, just maybe. It might be. What? Yeah, um... And it goes back to the problem that we once we get deep enough, again, into the micro, into the nano, into deeper than that, things get fuzzy and stuff doesn't seem to function the way our models of physics say they should function. Isn't that the crazy thing? Because that same problem exists on the macro scale. Things don't function the way we understand they should function within physics if you go in either of those directions which means that we have an understanding of what we can do and really truly interact with uh, with our human meat bodies, you know, and to, you know, there's a threshold above what we can actually touch, you know, if, when it comes to like temperature, um, if, like heat or lack of, of heat uh, when it comes to time, yeah, when it comes to time and all that stuff, we can go beyond, we can push those bounds with our technology. But when we use that technology to look too hard at something, Stuff just gets wonky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, down to the femto scale, up to the giga scale, and beyond. It's it's weird because since no one knows what's happening, 
since humanity collectively for the entirety of ex- existence up to August 21st, 2023, as we record this, since no one knows what the f*** is going on, we're in a pretty cool spot as a civilization. Even the strangest sounding ideas like simulation theory are worth investigating. We are currently in the brainstorming period of figuring out reality as a as a collective thing. So Nick Bostrom has a few basic premises or axioms that we have to understand to really understand his argument about simulation theory. And and they're pretty simple except well we'll give you 3 and then there's a big like Shyamalan plot twist at the end. Yeah, that's okay. I mean Let's let's just lay it out before we try to dismantle it. Um, first, he argues that humanity, you know, will inevitably reach a technological point, a, a high watermark uh, where uh, a simulated version of the universe could be something in the cards to be created. Maybe, maybe it's even like a copy of the one that we're already inhabiting, Uh whether this be virtual or whatever, like a like a, a miniature, I don't know. We've seen this. This is a science fictiony type stuff for sure, which we're definitely going to get to. Um, so this could be what we maybe refer to as the singularity um, when humans transcend humanism by you know basically flexing all of these uh, technological and scientific muscles. You know that they've been honing for. All these years. Uh, Bostrom says that if they, humanity, can create a universe simulation, they absolutely will. Yeah. Interesting, right? It is interesting. And I agree. People, I mean, you know, we know people <laughs> do stuff. They often leap before they look. Uh, so it's not like we have a great history of, like, thinking about things before just, let's just try it. Throw things at the wall. See what sticks. Of course they're going to do the thing. Yeah. The next question is, why would they do that thing, right? What would they use that thing for? Once, let's say you've created, well, because you can, but what do you use it for? What's the purpose of this other universe that you've created? If you could create it, think about the virtual. I mean, it's like the Sims. That's what. That's exactly what I'm going to think about. So we're talking 2003 when Nick Bostrom is is you know presenting all this stuff. A couple years before that, 1999, a little movie called The Matrix came out. It was that captured the popular mind, right? It, it did. It was mm-hmm. a huge movie. A uh, little thing that Beautiful. you just mentioned called The Sims came out, a virtual world. A couple, like literally a year after he put out these thoughts, World of Warcraft was first unveiled. We were getting into virtual worlds as humanity, like real tangible feeling virtual worlds, not some of the older stuff that we think about um, when it comes Text to video based, games, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Drug wars. Oh, right. well, yeah. Even, exactly. even like the early MMOs, like EverQuest or something you could put into mm-hmm. here or, you know, second life, things like that, where we're, we're just thinking about it a lot more. Right. So, so I mean, the, 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 I, I'm glad that you took it there right away. The, the idea of the gamification, you know, the, the the immediate thing that we would want to do with this is to make the world's most advanced MMORPG or something well, like that, right? That's one possibility, right? But the other possibility would be what? Maybe for to study some studying. Yep. Just well, just to, to, to see how things work, right? Like to try things. Let's see, model catastrophic weather situations, model all kinds of scenarios to see how they might affect, you know, the quote unquote real 
universe. Or political systems? That too. Let us build a small, uh, a small scale, constrained instance of a, of a world, right? And, and, you know, it's no secret, longtime listeners, uh, before doing this podcasting thing, I was tangentially involved in some, in some of this stuff. I learned at the feet of some people who really are doing that thing. There are, as we record now, it's open secret, at least, that there are very smart people who have constructed simulations with constraints of entire countries and they are mapping out stuff. And when you have enough data and you have enough know-how, then what your model can do becomes very close to what happens in the real world, which maybe for some people proves that the real world is another model, not the reality show. Clearly that's an awesome model for human interaction. Thank you, MTV. Uh, So, like, that's the idea, the educational aspect. Why would you do this if you could? Well, you would want to learn more about yourself. Humans are humans' favorite thing. So you would also be able to use this as a diagnostic predictive tool. Scientists, if this were possible, would probably create as many simulations as they could as a way of learning more about their own universe. Like, what? What if the amino acids that make up DNA are just a little bit different? How does that change things? What if life is silicon-based rather than carbon-based? You know what I mean? These are very interesting questions. The third assumption that Bostrom needs us to follow on with is, he says, we must assume that the virtual inhabitants of any simulated universe possess characteristics similar to our own universe, including consciousness. Key thing being, they're not aware they're in a simulation. So the quick recap, humanity reaches a point where they would create a simulated universe, and they definitely would. That's another assumption. Then second, they would use this to learn more about themselves. And third, the minds that they created would not be aware that they were in a program. And this leads us all to the, you know, the big plot twist. I don't know who wants to do this one. I, uh, it's a lot. Oh, well, yeah, no, we can talk about this. Um, basically what Bostrom is stating is that if it is possible to create a universe like this within whatever universe that they live in that are creating this universe, let's say us, far in the future, um, it's almost impossible that it hasn't already been done and we currently aren't living in that universe, the simulated one. That That's where it gets a little, it gets kind of crazy because it sounds like a huge a leap, right? I mean, I, I guess it makes me think of the inevitable part of the science fiction movie where the cyborg realizes it's a cyborg. You know what I mean? Like, cause like, what, what does it mean to know this? And like, we all exist in our heads. We know that we are aware and, and we feel uh, unique and uh, the product of memories and things like that, that make us individuals. So like, if we were faced with this, nope, that's all not real. That's all been, been created by somebody else. And none of it is unique to you. That to me is that moment, you know, where like the the robot who's been living under the assumption that it's a real human 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. It has its world rocked, you know? Uh, you're the clone. Damn it. Uh, that kind of stuff. But yeah. also, also, um, okay. Think about this. Like, it sounds at first blush, it sounds as though we're saying, hey, the following ingredients for a quesadilla exist. We all know those exist. Therefore, you are inevitably eating a quesadilla right now. Those two things are don't square. And it does feel like a leap to your point, Matt, because everything that perceivable reality appears to tell any living creature uh, it appears to indicate that just because an event can occur does not necessarily mean it will, has, or does occur. Unless, of course, we bring in multiversal theory, wherein everything is happening all at once. All possible events do occur, but well, let's hold off on that one. Let's go back to Bostrom. He does not accept this idea. He does not accept this objection to the argument. He argues instead that we cannot assume some other version of intelligent beings, human, post-human, transhuman, or otherwise, we can't assume they haven't already hit that technological landmark and therefore created a simulation in which we're now living. And then it gets even trickier because if you're living in a simulation— Everything that you can gather and observe and test and measure also exists within the bounds of that manufactured reality. So we'd have no real way to break the fourth wall, as it were, you know, any more than like um, we you guys know we're gamers. We love we especially love deeply immersive RPGs, you know, any more. It'd be like a non-player character in PC in Skyrim or Fallout all of a sudden saying, holy smokes, I'm a Khajiit. I'm a cat person. Or what's what's like an NPC from Fallout? What do they have? A ghoul, perhaps. A or, ghoul? Okay. Know, a, a, a junk trader or whatever. Yeah. But, like, right. Like, well, I, I mean, I think another good piece of pop culture to refer to with this kind of thinking is Westworld. Um, mm-hmm. Sure. The, the series, at least the first couple of seasons where they're really in the game. I kind of lost track of it after that. But, like, all of those characters that are NPCs or whatever, some of them have lower level programming. Some of them are like, they do one thing and that's all they do. Then there are the higher level ones that, like, can make more complex complex decisions and they refer to it in game theory and in game designing as a loop. And that's what they refer to it in the show as all these characters, these storylines are on these loops and then they're reset, you know, but a loop could be any length. You know, if you think about it in the scale of uh, the universe or like a really long timeline, our loop could be very, very long. We just a lifetime isn't that long in the grand scheme of things, a human life. So maybe that's the loop. You know, I, I don't know. I'm just a big bang to a great collapse. Yeah. Uh, and the, and of course the, uh, the triumph of entropy. Yeah. I, uh, I'm, I'm sitting here staring at the playhead in audition, just thinking about time when it comes to this stuff. And I'm, I'm trying to put it into words. I know I've failed a couple times. I've beat, we've beat it out, but there's also time factors into here, right? Like fourth dimensional state of time as something that can be accessed, not in the way we experience time, like the playhead in audition that's currently recording mm-hmm. everything I'm saying. And I can only experience what has, you know, hit that playhead, right? What that playhead has experienced thus far. But if you pull out further than that, um, it's everything that could possibly be in front of that 
playhead or I, I don't know. I, I God, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. No, it makes sense. I, I, I hear you, Matt, because the idea then is that there is um, a dimension, a space, right, that we call time. And it um, for observable experience, it's accessed in one way via one process. However, the argument would be that without those constraints, time could be accessed in a much less linear way. It could be experienced uh, the way that you experience other dimensions, right? Like this is, this is weird and it gets weirder. The, the concept that, okay, let's just say for the sake of argument, for the sake of hanging out, let's say Bostrom is right, uh, that there, this reality in which everyone's hearing this show tonight is part of a manufactured reality from some other space. Well, why stop at two realities? Por que no los dos, right? <laughs> why not both? What about a Matroshka doll approach? What about the possibility that this universe could be a simulation within another simulation uh, <laughs> within another simulation? And, <laughs> and that uh, humans or thinking minds in this reality could in turn create their own simulations, which is already happening. Then it would just be ones and zeros. It's just code all the way down, all the way up. I think that's kind of cool. I think that's walking into a a cathedral. Yeah, it's very sure. Rick and Morty. <laughs> yeah, what's that? There's the thing with the universes and the boxes. We, we talked with, with Hartman about that when we had him on, or that episode anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, and you also... <laughs> There's a lot of people that, that that throw around the idea of let's let's think about like intelligent design or like the idea of of a prime mover or like a god like force or entity that has control or perhaps doesn't have control just laid the pieces out just to see what they do there there is within that even a bit of this kind of simulation theory where it's like for someone else's benefit to see to test to see what the things are going to do to see what what how things are going to play out. Mm-hmm. And on the first day, God said, hold up, I'm trying to say something. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we're going to pause for a word from our sponsor here. Uh, at first, though, uh, before we go, we need to make an important note uh, between Bostrom's concept and between um, the ideas of Gnosticism, um, the wonderful work of the Wachowskis in the Matrix films, in the Matrix Humans live in a simulated environment, but their conscious minds are a product of the outside or quote-unquote real reality. Bostrom is arguing that you, everything that makes you quote-unquote you, is in fact just another product of this simulated reality. He's calling you a bit of an NPC. Not really, but it's a fun tag before we go to an ad break. I got to ask you, you know, we've got just a few minutes before we come back and maybe we can just figure this out and solve it off air, right? No doubt. Make it a short episode. I, I, have, I have faith in us. 
Hey guys, LeVar Arrington here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer. Making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck. Like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design. The Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max Hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before or check out the fully redesigned tacoma delivering trail dominating power and captivating style the new tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true and with new available tech this legendary truck is getting even better and when you buy a toyota truck you buy toyota dependability meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future so visit your local toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com toyota let's go places join metro they help you stay ahead of the game with nada yada yada that means no contracts no credit checks and no surprises outsmarting yada yada means uh you know taxis and stuff shady subscriptions did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase but then you found yourself subscribed yeah i had to call and stop payment on something because i had subscribed to it through apple pay and even though i had like put a new card on there it still was tied to whatever card was associated with my apple pay so i had to like go through this whole process of getting it pulled it was really really annoying well that'll never happen with metro by t-mobile because you don't take yada yada in life and you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada, helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans... Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health, but by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. And we have returned. Did we figure it out? No. Uh, we actually just kind of made more questions. Um, <laughs> hopefully we can get to a few of them in the episode with the time we right. have, I guess. Well, um, that's one of the first questions. If you're an observer here, uh, the idea would be, okay, this is really interesting stuff. Nick Bostrom is uh, one of the sharpest minds out there and has made a really good, very well-reasoned argument with the appropriate axioms and the appropriate caveats and assumptions. But can we prove it? Even Nick, spoiler, says that you can't really prove it. And uh, three very smart physicists took that personally. That's right. For one, we have Silas R. Bean, uh, Zore Davuti, and Martin J. Savage. There's no, no, way to just, no, no way to not say these names with a certain amount of gravitas. For they, they sound are, like superheroes. They sound like superheroes, and they are, for lack of a better uh, way to describe them, scientific superheroes uh, in their own right. Uh, Martin J. Savage, all of these individuals found the notion of the, uh, the universe as a computer simulation to be fascinating, 
as do we. We share that with them. We are the same. Um, and they started to think of how it might be possible to figure out if our own universe is uh, a numerical simulation. Back to your point about ones and zeros, Ben. Um we are not scientific superheroes, nor are we physicists. So we're going to you know, depend on some some pretty uh, solid work by our buddy Jonathan Strickland uh, that he has done on his podcast Tech Stuff to break down some of these concepts, these very complex concepts into understandable form. Mm, yeah, we're going to. OK, so these uh, legend tier physicists with their awesome names. Uh, these researchers decided to work with uh, something called lattice gauge theory and something called quantum chromodynamics or QCD. These may be unfamiliar terms to a lot of us listening along at home. Uh, they were certainly new to us when we first started diving into simulation theory many years ago. But here's the way we break it down. And Again, shout out to Strick. All right. The universe in which you exist, in which you hear this podcast, has got a lot of stuff going on, but it is, as far as humans understand, based on four fundamental forces. One is strong nuclear force. One is electromagnetism. One is weak nuclear force. And the fourth is vibes. No, I'm kidding. The fourth is gravity. It is known. Vibes is, in fact, a force of nature. <laughs> so, so, uh, oh, I'm talking day. about the movie that <laughs> the, the itself it is a force of oh nature to be reckoned with. I missed you guys too. Yeah. So, la lattice gauge theory, which we'll get to, and this idea, quantum chromodynamics, what they do is they focus on one of those four fundamental forces, the strong nuclear force. This is the force that humans believe holds all the tiny things together. It's what keeps subatomic particles from drifting away from one another. It is the strongest of the four fundamental forces, but also it has the shortest range, which already sounds like the kind of give and take that you would encounter in a well-programmed game. All right, so that makes sense so far, the basic stuff. What is quantum chromodynamics? It is a theory that attempts to explain how this strong nuclear force works in space-time, in four dimensions, right? So that's the three dimensions we know plus the dimension of time. And this is crazy. When scientists like our three legendary physicists are studying quantum chromodynamics, they build their own universes to do so. They're just very, very small universes. Yeah. Um, uh, you may ask, how small? And this is a very appropriate question, considering the topic that we're, uh, that we're trying to take on today. Um, the idea of copying the universe, whether it be in virtual form or otherwise, what does that even look like down the line? Well, uh, this is something that is possible, but again, on a very, very very teeny tiny scale called you, you you alluded to it earlier ben i believe the femto scale which is what a, is this a, a universe for ants exactly sorry <laughs> i know it's a really funny moment in, in the film zoolander call back once again to ben stiller he contains multitudes um a unit of measurement the femto scale uh smaller than the nano scale which i've always thought of as being as the teeniest of tinies uh no no says femto i 
I'm, I'm one smaller. A nanometer is one billionth of a meter, but a femtometer is one quadrillionth. That is a, a, a figure. Or a 10, what is that, 10 to the negative 15? Is that what we're talking yeah, about? Yeah, 10 okay. to the negative 15th power. Mm-hmm. Yep. Remember those from maths? I sure do. <laughs> so they, So this very, 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 very small universe, and that's an excellent exclamation explanation, Noel. It's so small. I can't understand it. With all of this in consideration, this is where the lattice structure comes in. The researchers say, let's represent this universe as bounded by a thing. Like picture a ball around this tiny experience. This ball is not a continual shell. It is instead a lattice. And a lattice just means there's an overall bounding structure, but it has holes in it. So like if you look through a window screen and you have the, you know, the tiny grid that keeps bugs and other big things out, but still lets air pass through, that's a lattice. And their assumption then is that they can build a a tiny universe bound by this non-continual structure around it. and They said, look, if we go into this tiny, tiny universe with far fewer variables, it might be possible to observe that this universe is something we created by watching the interaction of energy at the border. What happens when the air and the bugs meet that window screen, meet that lattice? It gets interesting. But it's weird because it's all through a computer simulation, right? So they're simulating... Mm -hmm energy moving within their simulated computer-generated universe. Yes. That was a really solid rhyme scheme you just dropped there, Matt. So so the concept (laughs) is if if they can observe, as the creators of this mini-universe, if they can observe particles that they have created moving through that lattice and, like, see it move through the lattice, then if we could blow up that experience to our scale and find similar energetic readings, we would know we're in a simulation? 100%. That's the idea. Okay. That's the idea. Uh, like what, if, what if you could zoom back out, get away from the simulated very small universe, and go back to the world in which you became a physicist, and in your ostensibly larger universe, what if you could find an energy that can prove the lattice? What if you can find the boundaries of the simulation? These researchers believe this energy could be cosmic rays, which we guarantee you is not something Stanley made up. No, cosmic rays are very real. And I just learned about this because uh, personally, guys, I've been studying this thing called the Ice Cube Neutrino Observatory in Antarctica. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ice Cube was not only an excellent <laughs> rapper and an actor, but also a physicist. <laughs> he contains multitudes. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Oh, that's Ice T. Sorry. Also, Ice Cube is apparently a bit uh, problematic. He said some not very nice things. But please, different Ice Cube. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, there. Um, the detector is. Oh gosh, I'm going to get it all wrong now that I'm having to like say it out loud rather than just read it. It's it's a beautiful, amazing detector that can sense 
I don't know if it's cosmic rays, guys, but it's like neutrinos or something where it can yeah. detect it moving through the Earth. And I think it's connected in some or could be connected to this in some way. Yeah, it's um, it's part of CERN overall. And you nailed it, man. It's a it's meant to observe neutrinos. And, and the pain in the ass about that is that it's actually uh, it's not possible now for human technology to directly observe neutrinos. So what they did is they put a bunch of very powerful sensors around like a cubic kilometer in Antarctica, and they look at the ice. That's why it's called the ice cube. Uh, they look at the ice, and when neutrinos interact with this ice, they create these electrically charged uh, secondary particles, they're called. Now, this is deep water for me. I'm not well, involved yeah, it's, with ice cubes. It's optical detectors allegedly that are in there so it literally sees these these thousands and thousands of optical detectors see the thing which is just nuts to me and that's that's the kind of fabric you're looking for if you're trying to understand you know the the clothing that the universe wears that we call reality this is like feeling the lapels you know what i mean and and getting us uh, some sensory input the researchers that we're talking about when they're when they're talking about cosmic rays uh silas and the gang are looking at this high energy radiation that comes from outside the solar system and their idea is if these cosmic rays behave as though they are interacting with some sort of lattice structure it would suggest that we exist in a computer simulation that uses the same techniques as this lattice gauge theory. So if reality as we know it is bound by a rough structure that is not totally continuous or contiguous, that you know has holes in it like a lattice, then maybe the argument is we can notice when some energy like cosmic rays appears to hit part of the boundary and then appears to shoot through the little holes. But think think about that in a computer simulated like virtual world that we've created, a simulation, right? You can't shoot things through a boundary of World of Warcraft because it's all software, right? Well, you can get to areas of uh of any kind of open world RPG wherein your path is blocked. You get stuck in the environment sometimes, you know, there's like you can clip through, yeah. whatever, you know, I mean, and to me, my, my, my mind with a lot of this stuff goes to the concepts of resolution. You know, if you think about like cameras and pixels, you know, how large or over time things have gotten more and more precise in terms of like how tiny a, the tiniest pixel is. Um, this is, I don't know, this is just like sort of a more elaborate version of that in, in a weird way but but maybe not and it also makes me think of the the concept of a very early i believe it was um pythagoras who came up with the idea of monads which was like a a unit of representational stuff you know i think it's described uh, as an elementary individual substance that reflects the order of the world and from which material properties are derived which even in and of itself is sounds like a uh, construct you know it sounds like a simulation are derived you know what i mean mm -hmm. yeah 
Yeah, I love it. Because for the longest time, humans have been asking themselves, humans love, uh, what are they called? Superlatives. So humans have always been asking themselves, what is the smallest thing? What is the biggest thing? Uh, We have to give a couple notes about this idea. First, for this to be real, humans would have had to would have to develop some very sophisticated technology, the kind of stuff that doesn't quite exist yet. Something that could measure and detect cosmic rays and their behavior with a very high degree of accuracy and fidelity, right? Because humans are still working in linear time. And then that requires a few additional assumptions. First, whatever created this simulation would have had to follow a practice similar to what the researchers are doing in their own tiny universe. Uh, Without a common starting point, the whole concept, the whole argument, the whole thought experiment, it collapses. Not a wave collapse, but hashtag no joke left behind. And then second, whatever creative generative force was there, it would have also had to have made a finite universe in which humans exist. Remember, right? If there is no ending to this universe, then there is nothing for that lattice to exist around. There's nothing for it to contain. So lattice theory doesn't matter. And then maybe the most important assumption, we would have to assume the designers of this universe are not actively preventing people from discovering that they are in fact part of a simulation. I think, I mean, Do we want to pause for a word from our sponsor? We have to talk about the caveats, the implications. What does this mean, you know? Well, yeah. It just makes me think about UAP. If you wanted to come in and talk to the simulated, you could come in as, you know, a thing that looks like one of the simulated and speaks like one of the simulated and just interacts amongst them. Or you could send in whatever your... (laughs) You know, like, uh-huh. I'm trying to imagine. like Hello, back, fellow kids. <laughs> I'm thinking back in, back in the day to Ultima Online when a GM, a game manager would show up and just like uh-huh. pop in to where you were and be like, oh, hi, what seems to be the problem? Oh, I understand. Let's talk about it. And like tries to help you with a problem and then just pops out of the universe. Like, yeah, yeah. could that happen? Would, would it look like a UAP that's just sitting there floating? As a cube inside a sphere? This is like know. tech support? What are we talking about? <laughs> I don't like, know. Uh, excuse me, you seem to be having some difficulties with <laughs> what simulation. If, what can we do to make your simulation experience as, ple- as pleasant as possible? I love that. What if what if human religions are real and you die and it's just like going to tech support instead of heaven? Yeah. And It's, it's <laughs> all like done that. over a phone. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really, really quickly, um, Ben, you, I think, in our, our group text thread had mentioned uh, the, the, the new Baldur's Gate game, yes. which apparently is great. People are yes. screaming about the new Baldur's Gate game, and it is a big, like, uh, choose-your-own-adventure type, you know, RPG, but it sort of is more like a virtual D&D, so it's a little less where it's this accurate, super precise simulation and more like terms of a tabletop game that you might recognize, but with all the benefits of it being a virtual thing. I just, that hybrid approach is what my mind is starting to go to for like what this whole thing is all about. And let's pause there 
uh, in our... Since we are bound by linear time, we are going to make some time for goods and services from our sponsors, and we will be right back. Or are we already here? Have we always been? Sorry, let's go. Hey guys, Mario Lopez here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit biotoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada, yada, yada. That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises. Outsmarting yada, yada means, uh, you know, taxis and stuff. Shady subscriptions. Did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase, but then you found yourself subscribed? Yeah, I had to call and stop payment on something because I had subscribed to it through Apple Pay. And even though I had like put a new card on there, it still was uh, tied to whatever card was associated with my Apple Pay. So I had to like go through this whole process of getting it pulled. It was really, really annoying. Well, that'll never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life and you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada, helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know... What were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. We have returned. So what what does this mean? You know, you're you're listening to this show now. You're in Brisbane. You're in Jakarta. You're in Kansas City. You're in New York or Atlanta, maybe even Russia. We've gotten some weird emails. What does this mean for you if the universe, as you understand it, is made up? Well, honestly, right now, it does not change much. It doesn't change the price of a quesadilla. It doesn't matter what your philosophical leanings or your ideology or beliefs are. All human minds understand basic truths about the reality. If you're human, you emerge into the world, you experience stuff, your body decays over linear time, and at some point you disappear. And no dead person has ever come back in a provable way. Uh, If there is some greater meta-reality, we might think about our experiences differently, but those experiences are not going to be different from your phenomenological perspective. Like you're still going to experience stuff the same way. You'll just have different thoughts about what's happening and why. And knowing that you live in a simulation isn't going to change those basic truths. 
Oh, except for the part that it means there would be a God. That's like the one thing. It means there would be a creator. I'm on board with that. I don't know, man. Things sure do seem... For for it to all be from entropy, for, for, for it to all be from chaos and unorganized, you know, madness, things sure did find themselves into an orderly, relatively orderly way that allow us to live here on this planet. And it, it also reminds me of a thing that I think we've all talked about with uh, our, our good buddy, Frank, a uh, friend of the show, who took a class or he audited a class or took a massive one of those massive online classes on complex systems and the idea of complex systems and like how they can be modeled and and some of the very the features of complex systems which can be anything from like the way the water table works and the water cycle to like you know the connection between members of different animal species and all of that stuff and just you know natural things where you have to look at the individual components in order to fully understand the bigger picture and and there's tons of simulations that are done in the world of complex systems absolutely yeah and before we go any further because we are now we are addressing scientific implications that do go into the world of spirituality so again your spirituality is your own when you hear matt or noel or yours truly talking about this kind of deep faith-based stuff Know that we're speaking for ourselves. We're not telling you what to believe. With that being said, I'd like to shout out Epicurus, who has one of my favorite quotes about this kind of thing. Is God, if God is real, is God willing to prevent evil, but not able? Then he is not omnipotent. Is he able, but not willing? Then he is malevolent. Is he both able and willing? Then whence cometh evil? Is he neither able nor willing? Then why call him God? I love that. I've never heard that. I agree with all of that. <laughs> I've always had an issue with the whole, it's free will, man. God's not going to, you know, keep you from suffering. That's not his deal. I'm like, why not? I thought we were all children of God. Like, why doesn't he intervene? And, and, if, and if he's not, isn't it all just a game? Isn't it all just kind of, again, that thing that he's just observing to see how it'll play out, which seems a little nihilistic and not particularly charitable to his creations, you know? Well, have you ever been mean to your Sims? You know, do you ever play Civilization Six and just think, I'll nuke it? Why not? <laughs> that, that's like the idea, right? Or for a human analog, walking by an anthill and stepping on it for a, for a momentary little 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 shot. I feel something. like you grow out of that. I feel like that's the kind of stuff that petulant children do. And I, I would really hope that, you know, someone with the power and clout of a god would be above that. Maybe. But this okay, so all this means if if one could prove a simulation exists, all this means is that there is some sort of again, I, I hesitate to use the word God, some sort of generative force. But from the human perspective, it would be something like the divine. It would be a creator from whence sprang all creation. And it might not have any remote resemblance to any human concepts of God. Like, I think I went back uh, and looked to science fiction for one of my favorite 
ways to understand this potential new state of reality. And um, I think we should shout out one of the absolute best examples of simulation theory from the world of fiction. It is a short story called The Nine Billion Names of God by Arthur C. Clarke, whom we quote often on this show. And our boy Artie, he wrote this absolute banger way back in 1953. Do you guys know this story? I don't think so. We've talked uh, about it on this show before, but yeah. tell us about oh, okay. it. Give us a yeah, synopsis. I don't, I don't even want to, man. It's like, okay. Fine. Well, okay. The setup, the setup, it's very short. It's also freely available um, online as an audio book and as text. You can listen to it now. It won't take up a lot of time. Um, the, the setup is that there is a remote monastery in the Himalayas. And they have contracted these two computer engineers to build a very advanced computer for them. That's the that's all I could tell you. Okay, I think that's enough of a tease, right? Tease it, tease away. Yeah, no, I'm. I'm no, I'm, you are gonna when when you read or hear this, man. I guarantee you're gonna hit the group chat. And oh, I, I definitely like, What the hell? I also, you know, you you gave a really good quote about the nature of God from uh, a more uh, classic kind of source. I would love to, to offer one from a more modern source, uh, a, uh, an amazing writer and musician named David Berman, who sadly uh, passed away a handful of years ago. Um, he has a song called Margaritas at the Mall from this record he made called Purple Mountains. And mm-hmm. I think the lyrics are fabulous and really go along with kind of what you said, Ben. Uh, it's how long can a world go on under such a subtle God? How long can a world go on with with no new word from God. See the plod of the flawed individual looking for a nod from God, trotting the sod of the visible with no new word from God. <laughs> I'm sorry. The wordplay alone is worth the price of admission, but Beautiful. I think it really, I think it hits. And then we're just drinking margaritas at the mall. <laughs> That's the next line. It's yeah, it hits man. And especially when, you know, this is a very, sad individual who struggled with this kind of stuff and these sort of questions and this sort of what does it all mean and managed to write it in such a tongue-in-cheek acerbic kind of way um and and this this man took his own life very shortly after this album was released and if you listen to it with that in mind it really does read like the world's most hilarious tongue-in-cheek suicide note um so all that to say is these questions are not minor these are like everything you know what I mean? To, to, to many people. And some people can't go on because it's just too much. It's too much, you know, to, to, to think about all these possibilities and what does it all mean and the meaninglessness or meaningfulness of it all. Um, I just think it's important to mention the mental health aspect of a lot of these types of things, you know? Sure. Yes. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a big big thing to get your head around and you know science is very good at explaining how and spirituality attempts to explain why so this gets us into a a troubling strange venn diagram between those those two pursuits which i would also argue are not mutually exclusive science and spirituality we're out here on the bleeding edge of metacognitive experience and we have to ask What would happen if we could not just prove the universe was a simulation, but what would happen if we could interact with whatever generative force created this simulation? 
Would they tell us that they were also part of a simulated reality? Would they want to hear from you? What would they say? What would their priorities be? These are questions that haunt us. They echo from the ancient past, pre-linguistic ancient past to the modern day. And for fans of mathematics, the idea of the universe as nothing more than a sophisticated form of code was super intriguing. That's some umami right there. We can understand ones and zeros, you know. Uh, It's devilishly intriguing, if you'd permit the pun. Uh, Well, imagine you're playing SimCity. You create just, just one city, right? A single city, but you created it. Imagine that each of those individual citizens of your city prayed to you as the God, their creator. Each one individually does that and says, you know, prays to you, tries to communicate with you in some way. You are one person. How do you respond to and take care of each one of those, you know, a creature's demands each one of those individuals demands or asks or wants or needs like if we were if we're taking it to that level right now imagine instead of a city it's a planet and now imagine instead of a planet it's a galaxy and a universe and a web of galaxies like i'm imagining um just you know asking these questions of like <laughs> getting to communicate with a creator i don't know Ooh. man i do controlled opposition I would create a, a Promethean Luciferian character in the city and, and be like, tell me your grievances. Let's team up. You know what I mean? That's a, just to keep things interesting. I, I think this is a quote from Stanley Kubrick. I, I've seen it attributed to him a bunch and I couldn't find anything saying otherwise. And I believe I've said this one before too, but it's so appropriate. He says, how would a sentient ant view the foot that crushes his anthill as the action of another being on a higher evolutionary scale than itself or as the divinely terrible intercession of God? Right. Right. It's a good question, right? It's one that applies now. I mean, this planet civilization is one gamma ray burst away from just popping right uh and there's nothing you could do about it shout out again to josh clark the end of the world with josh clark great show check out the gamma ray episode uh if here's the another intriguing thing another baffling thing there are certain patterns of numbers that seem to spontaneously generate unpredictable patterns throughout all observable human experience. They're the same every time. They're very just so. The most famous, of course, would be Pi. Uh, Do check out that amazing film, Pi, but then also check out the world record, which changes pretty often, of um, individuals who are able to recite Pi from memory to the longest extent. No one knows when Pi ends yet. It's just a thing that exists It's always the same in the entirety of the observable universe, and no one knows why. Another thing would be the Fibonacci sequence. Um, That's where the sum of uh, each number is the sum of the two numbers that came before it. Sounds really simple. Gets really interesting. Like That's the thing that gets me. How is that stuff the same? How does that never change? That's a, that's a thing that science can't answer because that's a why question. That's not a how question. And like things like the golden ratio that like appear, mm-hmm. you know, in nature so, so often. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I had a conversation with a dear friend the other day about sort of like the nature of reality and like sort of like a lot of these existential threats outside of the simulation thing. But I, I do think that whatever the case, you know, we do know that I think the, this this experience, whether it's simulation or not, is is painfully short and pro- probably best to do anything we can to not beat ourselves up psychically over these kinds of things and just to kind of at least at the very least enjoy this ride to some degree. And and if it gives you joy to think about these kinds of things and to analyze it, then I think it's something that you should do. But I just, I think some people can go down really dangerous rabbit holes with these kinds of things and it can, it can lead to problematic lives. And I just, I want everyone to have a good time. That's all. That's, that's, that's my whole thing. Sure. And, and, for those of us playing along at home, what, what you need to know is probably it's probably best for us to save the ideas of these, what I would call this constant math uh, for a future episode, a follow-up episode. All we need to walk away with is this for now. There does appear to be some sort of, again, discernible, predictable pattern towards certain events and structures within this larger universe from the very, very small to the very, very large until you get to the edges of experience. Um, it seems like there's a weird symmetry to stuff. There's a weird sort of call and response that reality is making toward you. It, it reminds me of all the, you know, the old, the old masters were right as above. So below, uh, when Rumi says, you know, um, that which you seek is seeking you. It's uh, okay. Well, now I sound like the photojournalist at the end of Apocalypse Now, but <laughs> we'll keep moving on. People don't understand why these patterns exist. They do. Uh, the Fibonacci sequence is in everything from basic math to patterns of cicada lifestyle, uh, which is very popular here in the U.S. South. Uh, scientists have learned to model and predict patterns and everything from fingerprints to cacti. And while the nature of this dilemma may not be readily apparent for everybody just hanging out in this possible simulation, some of the world's smartest people are working around the clock to figure out whether or not there is an essential code, some sort of fabric from which uh, this universe's clothing is composed. Uh, Before we end, I guess we should add Bostrom's totally legitimate. This is a very smart person working in good faith. And he says in his paper, which you can read for free online, he says, look, all the points I've made do not prove that we are definitely living in a computer simulation. Further, he says, it might be impossible for us to ever reach a point where we can build our own, you know, universes at home. It might be because we can't get the technology or because, as is always a possibility, it might mean that humans go extinct before ever reaching that technological point. Um, here's the thing. It's kind of petering out. And I'm sorry, guys. There's just... Jonathan pointed this out over on Tech Stuff as well. Jonathan Strickland. There's no real way to disprove simulation theory. It is not what we call a falsifiable claim. It's a thought experiment. But like, 
So that, that, that's one thing that I kind of held back, I guess. Bostrom, does he really believe this? Is he sort of being a clever, cheeky little devil? Or like, you know, <laughs> sort of like, do like again, to your point about it being a thought experiment, he's basically saying, if then, if this is possible or becomes possible, then it has happened before. But then that posits a whole nother kind of timey-wimey Doctor Who kind of scenario that also isn't really provable. I mean, like, what's his deal? Does he? Do you really think he's he believes this, or is he just being too clever for his own good? I think it's it's an exploration. That's what it is. I, I don't think. I mean, clearly, um, he's not. He and other people are not attempting to found religious movements based on this. They're not attempting. Thank God. Right. Ah, they're not attempting. No pun intended. <laughs> that was good. They're not attempting to bilk people. You know, um, and you can also the conversation continues. You can find um, plenty of work questioning this or attempting to disprove simulation uh, as a concept. Uh, I think there were I can't remember their names. Uh, There were some physicists who looked at the knowable bounds of classic computers and said it was impossible indeed to create a computer that could simulate a universe. it's it's ongoing and it's quite a, a a high stakes exploration. Can't wait to hear what everyone thinks about this. But I want to give uh, space to one thing, Matt. You've been uh, kind of quiet as Noel and I are, as he said, if thening through this stuff. And I know there's a lot on your mind because you and I uh, have talked about this for many years. What do you, what do you think? I just don't have anything to add. I looked at some of the latest attempts like scientific attempts to work on this it's not a problem to put more shed more light on these questions right um i i'm not seeing anything that's blowing my mind i always go back to the work of james gates that i remember watching a video of him a long time ago talking about these things he referred to them as error correcting codes and they're associated with Uh, browsers that we use to hang out on the internet. And when he was studying, you know, stuff in the atomic level, quarks and those things, he, at least in his talk back then, years and years and years ago, he was saying that he was finding error correcting codes very similar to the ones we use for web browsers inside like the, the, the code of the universe, basically, that was at the sub- subatomic level. And that always blew my mind, but I could never find any further information on it. I don't know. I'm just at a point right now where I haven't seen anything that is making me believe it harder. What if this whole universe is a sponsored ad for some other universe? You know what I mean? What if this whole universe is an everything bagel? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. What what if what if there is source code for the universe and it turns out it's something like Drink Ovaltine? Remember that you know movie I mean? Source Code with Jake Gyllenhaal? It was directed by uh, David Bowie's son Duncan Jones. Um it, it had some of these kind of themes, uh, the, the idea of a simulation of like the ability to change the past, you know, time travel stuff, but it was a little more on the simulation tip. I I'm it's been a minute since I've seen it, but I remember it being good. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, well but Matt, no do, one do, does. Do you think Bostrom's being a cheeky little fella, or do you think he like is? 
really believes this. That, that, that's always a big question for me. You know, and I guess with scientists, it's different. With politicians, usually it could, it could go either way. But like with scientists, I'm like, is it even about belief or is he just conjecturing? He's just saying this is a possibility. Uh, it mm, personally is very weird to me. I I have been under the influence of subst- substances in the past where. I fully, truly thought I understood the fabric of the simulation, not of the universe, not of reality, Mm -hmm. but of the simulated computer-generated thing that I was living in. Um, And I've had those real moments that I, like, they stick with me, and I think about them. But for this specific topic, I don't dwell on those moments because I don't like what, like, thinking about that further and taking the thoughts to maybe their conclusions... Of if we are, in fact, in a simulation like that. You're talking about monster energy drink, I assume, right? Uh, Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. It'll but, do it. But what I mean is like that. I Sorry, just, you know, that's why I've been kind of quiet because I, I think about this stuff, you, but dude. I'm like, I don't know. I don't even know if I. I don't know if I personally want to explore it much further. <laughs> it's scary. I and mean, we, we talked a little, I think we did a video recently where we all gave some book recommendations. And I talked about one that I think we all appreciated called uh, the spirit molecule about DMT and so many DMT trip experiences have very similar um, results where people see these like creatures, you know, these like machine elves or whatever. And there's a lot of conjecture around that in various communities that these might well be, the, the 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 creatures pulling the strings behind the simulation, right? I don't know, Ben. I, I see you kind of just see the, the the wheels turning. Is that something that you've heard uh, in terms of like that's a way to see through the veil into the source code, and maybe there are things that are pulling the strings that that are observing us that we are not aware of. Mm, yeah, it's sad that we do function under the constraint of linear time, and I have to wrap this up because uh, that is a favorite hobby horse of mine um i would i know not everyone agrees with graham hancock but the guy can spin a story for sure it goes to the concept of um discover uh, dis, uh, it goes to the concept of information being conveyed via human dna and being able to interact directly with some sort of sentient force within that dna when under the influence of certain usually psychedelic or hallucinogenic substances there is so much more to the story and i'm I'm so glad we finally got to this i think this is the first of a continuing series we have much more to explore in the uh, existence of numbers as source code for reality. But for now, you guys, Matt Knoll, Mission Control, fellow conspiracy realist, we've got to call it an evening. Uh, I, I have become strange. I am noctivigant. Uh, we, we have miles to go before we sleep. Uh, should we, shall we pass the torch to our fellow Sims and see if they can solve the question of reality for us. What do those Sims say on their little weird language? I like that weird little things like that. I can't. Simlish is a thing that it's called. And I used to remember it was like, like David the Gnome type language. But anyhow, please reach out to us. Let us know what your experience is of all of these things. You know, if you have any uh, theories to add, let us know. You can find us on the Internet uh, on the platform formerly known as Twitter, uh, Facebook and YouTube, where we are Conspiracy Stuff or Conspiracy Stuff Show on Instagram and TikTok. 
Do you like using your voice? You can call us. 1-833-STDWYTK. It's a voicemail system. You got three minutes. That's it. Just three minutes. Give yourself a cool nickname and let us know if we can use your voice and message on one of our listener mail episodes. If you don't want to do that, why not instead send us a good old-fashioned email? We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today.